Welcome to Ubu Dub and the second part of my conversation with Johnny Dromet, a long-term collaborator and artist for Perubu and all other projects in anticipation of the new live album that comes out in just a few weeks now by order of Mayor Paulicki, for which he did the art. We kick off the conversation talking about the disco house that he and David shared together where they watched a lot of TV and listened to a lot of music and uh, therefore I'm choosing the track to kick off proceedings and it was probably one of the songs they listened to back then, Perubu style MC5. Hollywood Squares set in the living room. Yeah, well, it was it was for the store, the window of the store, but we was built at home using you know two by two lumber, and then we were trying. Cause, <laughs> gotta understand, Dave and I, you know, we were like I say, we were pretty busy in that house. You know, we watched a lot of television, so yeah. we could probably tell you every Hollywood Squares episode. You know. Uh, but anyway, we built a replica of the Hollywood Squares, the way it appears on television anyway. And then we put our own celebrities in there. So which, which celebrities did you put in there? Well, we had David in there. We had, uh, <laughs> you know, under the, uh, under the name of Crocus Behemoth. You know, it took me a little while to stop calling him Crocus. But yeah, so uh, we had we had uh, David under the name of Crocus Behemoth on that. We had uh, Bougie Boy, the mascot for for some reason, uh, David and I had a fascination with Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> no, not for the reasons so much of America did, but the group think mind control that she represented. And mind control by someone that, without a mind, you know, that she represented. And um, let's see, also we have a Howard the Duck, which I don't know a lot about Howard the Duck, other than it was a comics, uh, you know, a comic magazine. It was somehow based out of Cleveland, and he was in there for, for the reason of our Cleveland pride. Goulardi, of course, had a square. Now, that's somebody we really like. Yeah. I mean, David, and, said, uh, David said I should ask you as well about Big Ed Stin. Yes, but Big Ed Stin. See, again... A lot of television was consumed, uh, but Ed Stin was a car. He wasn't in the Hollywood Squares. I, I don't think he he merited that. But but uh, <laughs> we used him. We were we used him in the drum advertising, or because uh, he was a big car dealer. He was big. Yeah. He was he was a big man, and he had a big car dealership. He sold lots of uh, I don't know if it was Chevys or Fords, or maybe he sold both, but. He was doing these commercials with a Cleveland Indian player. I've uh, seen that. It's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Which, God, name, the player's name was Mudcat Grant. Now, Mudcat 
was probably a nickname. I'm, I'm sure it was, and one that would not be acceptable today. You know, I remember a drone at where where we pictured David and I sitting at our dining room table. He was Big Ed, and uh, I was Mudcat Pamet. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was I was sending a message to my ex girlfriend Pam, who you know had run off with uh, various people. Eventually, Tom Herman. Uh, <laughs> you know. But, uh, and then, you know, because cause Ed used to say, hey, no, if you don't have money to buy a car, come on down, you know, we'll we'll work it out with a credit plan from Ed Stin. Mudcat Grant for Ed Stin Chevrolet. We're going to talk to you about the budget lot. What kind of people might be interested in the budget lot? Well, Jim, uh, maybe it's a young person who has to establish their credit. Maybe it's somebody that has spent their down payment. Maybe it's somebody that just needs a car to go back and forth to work. But we don't care. The only thing we ask is, do you have the down payment? We don't check credit, and we'll finance the balance. All right. If you need some help, if you have bad credit, give Ed Stin Chevrolet a call. You know, I put Cartoon Balloon over David, which said, you know, are new in town. Other record stores don't believe in you. We do. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm on the other side of the frame saying, yeah, Ed, we can lease you a used record. <laughs> Excellent. Apart from the fact that David did DIY, which I still find incredibly difficult to believe, that must have been so much fun. Uh, well, and again, it raised consciousness for, you know, I think, you know, locally, for how fortunate we are in Cleveland that we've had so many homegrown television personalities, whether we're talking about show hosts, children's show hosts, horror movie show hosts, uh, but even the people in the commercials. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it just it's just a really great part of our, our culture. This has kind of come full circle with the new album coming out by Order of Mayor Paul Licky. Now, in 1967, the Velvet Underground was touring in Texas, and they happened to stay one night at Motel Dust outside Amarillo. And it just so happens that very same night, Junior Walker and the All-Stars had an off night, and they were staying at the same motel. Now, Lou Reed and Junior, they were sitting there talking. Somebody dashes in and says, George Clinton is playing in town tonight. So they all pile in, into Junior's uh, Coupe de Ville, and they make it into, into town and see George Clinton. And they come back to Motel Dust, and this is the song that Lou and Junior write. Huh. using some of the artwork from the original co-ed jail tour and 
and artwork that was associated with that. And you've done the artwork for this album. So tell us about Coed Jail, where it came from. And Oh, yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like Things come from, you know, the most, you know, nobody can guess where this, I- I'll tell you, but nobody really can guess. And I, if I have time, I'll tell you another story about people in London guessing about where the ideas come from but you know in this case there was an article there's a newspaper weekly world news I don't I don't see it at the grocery store anymore so maybe they're gone but it's like it's like the National Enquirer except way more cheesy and sleazy and they have a lot of stories in there about uh, you know, UFOs and, you know, the bat boy, you know, half boy, half bat. And has all kinds of weird stories in it. There had been, and I think probably the timeline would put it at about 19, I don't know, I think 1973. So before whatever was happening, you know, rock-wise in Cleveland, before the drone, before rock I was living in North Carolina and enjoying reading the Weekly World News, and there was an article in there, uh, you know, shocking, the prison where men and women live together. It's a co-ed jail. (laughs) (laughs) And really, you know, the story was was not very interesting at all. But I had taken in 73 to Xeroxing things, that uh, I found interesting, you know, uh, either in the Weekly World News or stuff I found in trash, um, you know, skittering along the street in North Carolina, uh, you know, directions to a Klan meeting, all kinds of weird stuff. I and 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 I and I published it. Yeah, I was just I was just learning about uh, how to, you know print things and how to do it you know i had a i had a part-time gig making posters for the film society at duke university at the time so i had you know and i way overproduced because nobody was interested in my publication and i wasn't very active about distributing it so you know i had some of that stuff still with me back in cleveland you know years later and i just really started thinking about co-ed jail you know and what a great headline it was and how it could be applied in a number number of ways and and it just sort of fit in also with the xerographic uh publicity sort of stuff we were doing back then you know everybody knows you know the flyers they're great there's books on it now and everything the, the great flyers and all cities all around the world uh, and the fanzines and all that kind of stuff. So I had these leftover graphics from seemingly irrelevant uh, articles from the Weekly World News, and it just—I don't know—if it—if it, if it was a phrase or a headline that sounded like, um, you know, it might click in other contexts, then we would use it. Yeah, and uh, and so. You know, it started to get applied to stuff the store was doing, um, stuff uh, uh, Peruba was doing, and, uh, you know, and, and the little man, the little figure, the dancer figure is, I guess, what we most most often refer to it as. It crept into the 
Oh my god, you know, I always thought it was a woman. Well, it might be a woman. Yeah, it, it probably is. You know, there's a scoop neck shirt on one of them, and maybe the shape. It's it's not, you know, it's certainly not your ideal, you know, fashion model. Woman. No. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, it, it probably is female. That came from the Weekly World News, too. It was an article about five exercises you can do at home to stay fit oh really <laughs> and the graphics the graphics were really so low grade that i thought well this doesn't really i look at this and i don't i don't i don't really see the exercise i just see a human being yeah you know? and so since we're all human beings we we can apply this to just any use we might have <laughs> And what about the flesh government, guys? Yeah, that uh, flesh government definitely, that phrase did not come in its entirety, did not come from the Weekly World News, but the word flesh did. And somewhere else on a nearby page, the word government did, and they just happened <laughs> to be in the same type space. Well, they go well together. And then and you put them together. The picture is David in like a snowsuit with sunglasses on, covered with, uh, he's he sort of wrapped up, semi-bound, loosely bound in a quarter-inch recording tape that we just spun off the reel. Oh my God, and that's actually David. I had no clue. Oh yeah, it is. Wow. And... and uh and then he's he's standing next to a, a mannequin, not a person. Ah. Maybe, I don't know if that's evident, but we had a bunch of mannequins in the house. And that particular one was the lovely and slender uh, Lorraine Conversation, we called her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and, and we didn't, you know, and we spelled it, you know, a la Francais, you know, L-O-double-R-A-I-N-E. But it's really named after a really bad local television show uh, from the county adjacent to our county, Cuyahoga County, Lorraine County. Oh, I know. So it was like, there was a lady host who, you know, talked about all the goings-ons and pumpkin fairs or whatever they have out there in Lorraine County. Pretty boring show, but a good name for your mannequin. So there was David and Lorraine, and there are other pictures in that series. They're Polaroids that were taken because uh, Destroy All Monsters was spending the night at the house. They were down from Detroit, and so we had Ron Ashton and Niagara and the band in the house, and everybody took turns posing with uh, Lorraine. Ah. God, I want to see those Polaroids next time, please, Johnny. Yeah, well, if we could find them, you know, and maybe we will. Yeah. It'll all be it'll all be dug up by somebody somehow, sometime, uh, and then they're going to say, what the heck? I know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just for anybody who doesn't know, because, you know, we're picking up new listeners on this podcast all the time who maybe even haven't heard of Ubu. I mean, if there's a Peribu t-shirt or one of the old Peribu videos, posters, artwork, everything, it's it's 99% certainly going to be you, isn't it? it yeah, is. yeah, yeah. You know, like I say, I felt pretty driven 
with respect. I mean, it was it was so exciting to to see Perubu uh, and and what that was about. It was a really ominous show when you went. Uh, I mean, David is so big. Maybe he isn't really. I don't know, but he his stature on the stage is very great. Yeah, he, he remains so. And when he would start to move towards you, you know, on the stage, and I don't mean like out into the audience, just just one step would fill you with a certain amount of like, okay, what's he going to do? You know? Yeah, still does. Still does, even yeah. from a chair. job there for which you know I don't even think the idiots that ran had published that magazine knew to be grateful and, I, and I'm sure the parting was probably not that pleasant whenever that happened but you know they they were they were of all the Cleveland media people you know the radio station you know was always at war with uh, you know and, and other the record companies that I was often at war with you know, the local branches of the national record companies where distribution occurred. Uh, see, there were some people there, certainly not the publisher, but people who worked there, they were truly rock and rollers. And whether they were into a band like Pyramid or Devo or whatever, or not, you know, I think they had spirit. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that something like the same spirit that was motivating me. So, but the publisher was definitely, you know, just thinking about how many ads for crappy bars he could run and how he could keep costs down. So, and, and when I promoted a show or did something, you know, or said something which was uh, un, untowards about the record companies, the major labels, they would punish me in the scene. Even though I was paying for an ad to promote an event or to promote my store, they would, you know, bury the ad, you yeah. know? 
you know, they need to put it on a really bad, on a left-hand page, in a bad place in the book. Or, or, worst thing you can do is put it, put it next to the ad, there's a big ad for abortions. <laughs> if they put it next to that, that's a killer. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you feel about the issue. It's just like, it's something you just don't want to think about every day. Yeah. So the eye kind of moves from that part of the page. <laughs> so, they kind of notice this pattern, and that they really underpromote it. Oh, and then you know you also expect you're spending money, and the magazine is kind of a whore that you know just whoring for the bars and the record companies. Like you expect them to whore for you too. Yeah. If you're if you're a record store, so you know I would tell their editorial people I'm putting on this show. You know, and and then they 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 wouldn't they wouldn't publish anything. So David comes to me. He goes, you know, they didn't mention anything about the show this weekend. And I go, ah, again. And David goes, let's go downtown and complain. <laughs> right. And I really, I really didn't have any experience in complaining except the family members. So I didn't. I was shy. I didn't want to do it. But, you know, he talked me into it. We drove downtown and built up our rage on the way down. And then he said, I had to do the talking, of course, because I was you know, a store owner. So I started with my hems and awes. But David was standing right behind me. You know, he says, tell them what's wrong, Johnny. You know. <laughs> and then meanwhile, he was smoking in the office, which I don't know if that was allowed back then. But, you know, usually you wouldn't expect that if someone was coming into the office. And then when he finished his cigarette, he'd just flick it right right into the person we were speaking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then the publisher came in. And, you know, and I was getting scared, like, oh, no, I don't you know, I didn't sign up for this. And then the publisher came out, and he goes, now you listen here, and he called him Crocus. You listen here, Crocus. You have no right to come in here. And David goes, he goes, Rich, you're a whore. You've always been a whore. You know? <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, I think we've taken it far enough. <laughs> but, boy, but boy, I felt good in the car on the way home. And I goes, yeah, that's how you get things done. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I, uh, uh, and I kind of picked up that habit myself. I would call people out and rock them up and go, you know, you're a liar. <laughs> well, when David asked me to, to consider taking on the manager role, he, he made me watch a documentary about famous managers, music managers. And there was yeah. one who used to, who, um, was found holding, a particular rock star out of the window by his ankles and David turned to me and said that's what I'd want you to be like <laughs> don't consider being any of the other guys that's the guy you need to be <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> well, yeah there's a lot of truth in that yeah that's how that's how things get done got the last question for you then which everybody gets asked and that is okay and I know it's not going to be an easy one, but we're not we're not going to hold a gun to your head if you choose a, a bum one, all right? But you need to choose one song f 
from that era, and hopefully it will be on the Mayor of Pawlicky album, that just makes you go, ah, yes. Which one would it be? Well, I guess, you know, I I would be, I'd be hard-pressed because I like, you know, I like all of the Modern Dance album uh, from start to finish. But the songs, um, you know, there's, there's two that, come to mind uh so i'm gonna not say one you 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 can pick after that or give me me both and i'll play one earlier on in the podcast okay but okay first of all there's a group of like three maybe four songs by any artist which will make me cry in the car and 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 you know sometimes when i really needed to cry because, you know, that's not the easiest thing for guys to do, but I know I really need to cry, uh, I will play one of those four songs, and, you know, the one that's by Perubu is Final Solution. Um, you know, and I don't cry every time I hear it. My God, that would just be, because I hear it a lot, <laughs> that would just be overkill. Yeah. But that, that thing really rocks all the way down my soul. The other one that does the same thing, but it's not a crying response, but uh, at all. But it's it's uh, I feel very empowered by is uh, Heart of Darkness. Yeah. And specifically, uh, I guess I you know it's like I say empowering. It's a kind of it's somewhere between empowering and enraging. <laughs> you know, it's just like the line. I don't see anything that I want is uh you know fucking great because there's a lot of times that's the way it looks yet i'm generally a hopeful person (laughs) well i'm gonna sort of wrap this up and say thank you so much and please 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 can we do another podcast with you because there's still so many questions oh and believe me i have the answers i don't know (laughs) yeah let's do it again that's great johnny David Thomas, quick insert. Rich Cabot, the publisher of the scene, referred to earlier, and I ended up on pretty good terms a couple decades later. We resolved things, and it turned out that Rich had always been very proud of me, and I wrote uh, a tribute to, to him when he retired, and uh, we would see each other at Ubu shows in the 90s and thousands. And I, I didn't want to leave that hanging out there. 
Okay, thank you.